I'll make it really, really simple. Do I live in a good world or a bad world? Mm. The answer to that question sums up my entire outlook on life at any given minute, day. Like there's Albert Einstein once said that the most important fundamental decision we'll ever make is do I live in a hostile or a friendly universe? We each have our own gift to give and yours is unique. What reality you want to create? It's your choice, always. No one can take that from you. Hey guys, I know that life is crazy right now with you know pandemic and then the riots and everything that will happen. And um, it, this is is the scary times. And so this conversation that I just had with Chris Winfield a little while ago is more relevant than ever before because he talks about everything that he does to set him up for a good day and a good life. The number one most important question that you need to answer for yourself that he does every day in his morning ritual, which has several elements that I've taken with me uh, since that conversation. And he also talks about perspective and how you can be in a situation that seems terrible, but later it actually turned out to be an incredible moment. Uh, And so if you can go through your life with that perspective, then uh, it becomes much more manageable when, th- manageable when things are tough. So anyway, there's lots of gold in this conversation. I just went through it again. It's, it's really incredible. So I'm really excited to share it with you. And let's get to it. It's great that we can do this remotely when we can't mute, meet in person. Exactly. Thank God for remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me, so, tell me like where, like you, I met you in person what is that like a few, a few weeks ago a few like a little over a month ago for the first time over dinner right yeah um, so, which is actually in today's terms that's about 25 years ago um <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so we've known each other for quite a while <laughs> exactly yes <laughs> i think uh, that was actually february when we met so february seems like years and years ago at lifetimes ago <laughs> exactly remember when people actually went out and there was like you know 30 people in a room in like a small room all having dinner at the, like like people yeah. used to do that i know there was I, don't a remember time. It. I get to see <laughs> it on tv now but i don't actually remember it <laughs> <laughs> no. oh god it's so crazy, man. It's so crazy. But so the from the first mo- moment I saw you, I just recognized that you had something special. You have you have something some some energy about you that is really inspiring. And this podcast is called Ignite Your Fire because for me that that sort of inner fire, that inner aliveness is what it's about. Like we can, you know, it's great to make money and have good business and all that stuff, but but ultimately what do we want? We want to feel alive, right? We want to feel juiced up and you, my friend, you've got it. So where the hell does that come from for you? Man, <laughs> that comes from, uh, it, it really now comes from a conscious choice, which, uh, and I've realized this even more over the last uh, few weeks because I was making a choice over the lot, like with everything going on with COVID-19 and everything. And I was really letting uh, fear and bad habits just come back and allowing that. And, and I say that because like I, that was how I lived a lot of my life. I lived a lot of my life in fear. I lived mm-hmm. a lot of my life in 
complacency and I lived a lot of my life in addiction. Um, I don't know if you, I don't think I told you this, but no, I've, I've been sober for nine years and I guess now three and a half months or so, January 3rd, 2011. Um, so that was like really when things just started to really, really change for me. And, but the reason I bring up is that I think it's so easy to, think that, I don't know, this guy has it figured out or this person, but I, if I find for myself and for most people, it's like, it really comes down to a choice. Um, it comes down to a choice each day. Like I, I, I never, it's never been clearer to me than it is right now. This is and the like, choice is what the choice of is what you focus on mentally is like, you know, your physics, you're working out. It's, you know, what are, what are those choices for you? So I'll make it really, really simple. Do I live in a good world or a bad world? Mm. The answer to that question sums up my entire outlook on life at any given minute, day. Like there's Albert Einstein once said that the most important fundamental decision we'll ever make is do I live in a hostile or a friendly universe? And uh, the way I've always just summed it up is do I live in a good world or a bad world? Mm-hmm. And I, that's so powerful because that, that quote for me um, in 2011, for me, I was, I was uh, going through a divorce. And that was one of the questions like if I, that Albert Einstein quote, right? Um, and for me, it was like, if I believe in a, in a, you know, good universe that I live in a friendly universe, then I need to get out of this relationship and I need to pursue this other thing. I need to move to America. Like it's a big moment for me. I remember that very clearly. That was a big sort of inspiring quote for me as well. So I'm really excited that you bring that up. Yeah, because I wrote an article about this for Inc. Magazine and I think it was the most popular thing I ever wrote for them. And it, it talked about that. But the way I sum it up is just like, do I live in a good world or a bad world? Mm-hmm. And when I used to be able to go outside and do things like if I like that, that would mean, all right, if I believe I, if I made the unconscious choice, like, or if I didn't even try to decide, I'm just like, all right, everything sucks and everything's against me. Then most likely what happens on those days is that's what I invite into my life. And again, like I've lived this and I know that how it works. And if I believe I live in a good world, amazing things happen. Mm -hmm. I get to meet people. That's how like I get to meet people like you or um, the things that come into my life. And it, what I've also realized, Tony Shea, like the Zappos, they have this interview question. Like, do you feel lucky? Right? Like, do you consider yourself lucky? And people that consider themselves lucky tend to have more luck and, and, you know, just do better. There's such a great uh, article about that with I think it's with Cary Grant or James Gardner. Um, it's amazing. I, I'll have to send it to you and you can put it to the show notes or something. But just about he always looked at himself as like a lucky guy and all these things just kept happening and happening. And so I think that it's the it's the 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 mistake that I can make is that thinking that the externals are what will allow me to feel good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so meaning like a certain amount of money or a certain amount of prestige or safety or whatever. But what I find actually is that 
when the when it's harder, when there's like more things like what we're going through now, you know, I find that going back to that question is even more important. It's more important than it is when I am when everything's good. Because when everything's good, it's like, all right, I'm going to coast a little bit or I'm not going to meditate or I'm not going to do this. And But when it comes down to it and like with what's going on in the world now, it's like it'd be really, really easy to sit here and say, listen, we live in a terrible world and we're fucked. Like it's all this. And that's really not the case. Yes, it's there's a lot going on right now, but there's also so much good. Like we, if we look for it, it really depends on whatever our frame is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so the nine years, nine years and, and three months sober, or or thereabouts. Um, what what was your was it alcohol? What was your your addiction? Everything. Uh, so alcohol was the main thing, but uh, drugs. Uh, yeah, it it was really um, from the time I was about thirteen until the time I got sober at thirty four. I just would like do anything to not be in my own head anything to not be there that's, and, i mean that's really what it is right yeah exactly and i would do things that i didn't even like because it was better than being alone with my own thoughts think about that oh, like shit. what were the kinds of thoughts that you had? yeah that's insane they're just the i think it's just the the I, I don't even know if it's anything conscious that I remember. It just me the whole idea of not wanting to be in my own body. I I remember when I went to actually went to rehab and that's how I wound up getting sober. And I remember this woman, uh, she was a counselor there. She had said something to me that I will never forget because this summed it up so perfectly. I did not want to share anything uh, really personal. I was really good about sharing, um, but making it sound like I was really vulnerable. But it was always things that I, even at that time, that I knew would be impressive. So like a crazy story that happened to me or this or that or whatever. And this woman, they'd wanted me to share something. um, And I was just so unbelievably uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm not going to. And she said something to me that will I will never forget. And it was it summed it up so perfectly. She said, Chris, you look like your skin doesn't fit. And I was like, oh my God. I didn't realize it then. At the time, I was like, I hate you. <laughs> but at the, looking back, that was one of the best ways to describe it. Like, meaning I was so uncomfortable in my own body, in my own thoughts, and my soul, everything that it was as if my skin did, didn't fit. Uh, and I couldn't put it any better. Um, I don't even remember that woman's name. You know, it's like these amazing things, like people that come into your life and uh, that can have such a profound effect on you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it was that. It was just not wanting to be, it was just not wanting to be me, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Well, how did that change? A lot of work, a lot of work on myself, um, a lot of, uh, you know, a belief in uh, something outside of me, you know, for me, that's God or, um, you know, w- whatever it is for anyone, but it it's really that. And just then going on this, this kind of internal quest of wanting to be a better person, wanting to just wanting to improve and, you know, just 
going from somebody who thought like that he knew it all and because it was like all ego to being somebody who was like open. Um, and I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. That's, it's so fascinating. Did you like, was that, that person that you've then since become was already in there some somewhere, right? Did you, did you kind of know that? Do you have an inkling about that? Like, do, what was your sense of that? Um, yeah. So I think I was, you know, at my heart, a good person. And, uh, you know, for me, like I was always able to uh, be successful. I was always able to do well, just enough. And some relatively smart guy and, um, you know, things happen and people always liked being around me. But yeah, I, I think that person's there. I think it's always there. And it, it's, it's really about whether what's, what's the choices we make, like it, the thing I keep coming back to, and I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few days. So it's so interesting that we're talking today, but it's like those choices and the it, it's everything. It comes down to that because I know so, you know, in my time of being sober, I've had so many other people who are great people that are dead, you know, who didn't get it. Um, you know, I've averaged it out and it averages out to about, this is insane, but about one person a month, um, that get, you know, that I've known or who's been really close to me, whether that's been a family member or a, um, best friend, um, or just people that I know, but it really, it's teams like when I, when I average it all out, it's about one person a month that I've lost. And they were good people too. And they, but for some reason they just couldn't get it. Um, so there are people that were used to also like, that would also be drinking and doing drugs and, and that you used to hang out with. Yeah. Or people that I'll have met in recovery or, um, you know, all these different things. Um, and mm -hmm. just, or people that I'll just know in, because now I talk very openly about this. So people then contact me and then, um, some people get it. And then, you know, some people don't, uh, it, you know, it's the, what I found with addiction is that it's one of these, what I call a, uh, first degree, uh, connection type of thing. So meaning that any like addiction, uh, cancer, divorce, miscarriage, like these are things that almost every, and now it'll be COVID coronavirus. Um, you know, that every person that you meet will have one degree away, um, mm -hmm. from, so it's either them or their spouse or their family member or their, um, you know, or like somebody in their family, their friends, whatever, but one degree. So somebody very close to them, you know, has all these different issues. And I, the reason I bring that up is I think that there's so many of these things that we hide and we're, uh, we don't want to talk about, but what winds up happening is that they bring us closer because we have that shared, shared connection. So when I talk about this, people contact me and then, you know, and then sometimes I'll find out that, you know, they didn't make it or they killed themselves or, yeah, you know, that's been one of the things recently that's been happening a lot um, as everything's been happening with what's going on with the economy and COVID-19 and like uh, for people in addiction, a lot of people like that are just like, I can't take it anymore. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's wild. Yeah. I was, I was fascinated that, that gyms are considered non-essential, but liquor stores are considered essential. Yeah. And gun yeah, shops, like, right? What the hell? <laughs> what yeah. the hell? I know. Yeah. Uh, sales. So there's some interesting stats. So there's that, um, that, you know, the liquor is up like 20% or something like that. 
gun sales and ammunition is up like crazy amounts. But there's also a really another interesting stat that I've been paying attention to. And um, I, I don't know if it's exactly right, but like 55% of Americans are now praying as well. Hmm. They're praying. And that's up. Yeah, I think it's probably up like a a ridiculous amount or at least people being willing to admit that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's it's so there's there's such contrast um, all over. Mm -hmm. What was it? What was the toughest thing that you had to face within yourself to get out on the other side? Man, I think just getting honest with myself <laughs> and I, I think when it really comes down to it and it was more of being a little bit more willing to change than I wasn't and the way that I always describe this is and this is still the case Calvin to this day the way that I always describe it is that I wanted to change and I wanted a little bit more than I didn't So 51% of me wanted it where 49% was like, no. And this is still to this day, that's all that I believe that I need on a daily basis to want to become better, to want to do something, to go exercise. I went for a run before. I didn't feel like running, but I was like, all right, I will feel better after this. You know this. Mm -hmm. And I will definitely. So even though so much of me did not want to do that. A little bit more of me wanted it than I didn't. And I think that this is the thing for anyone with any of this stuff is like, you just have to want it a little bit more than you don't. 51% of you has to want it. And that's been the case for everything. And then another big shift for me has been perspective. And what I mean by that is that all these different times in my life that I looked at, so for example, the day that I went to rehab, I thought that was the worst day in my life. Like when I woke up that next morning, I literally took out a new uh, journal and I'd made a promise to myself. I'd write something down every day. And I sat there and I wrote down, today's the worst day of my life because that's how I felt on that day. I felt completely broken, everything. And I looked back at that day, six months later, I was like, oh my God, that was the best day of my life. I still look at that as the best day. I look at all these different things as what am I going to learn from this? What am I going to get out of it? And sometimes that realization, that perspective comes immediately. Sometimes it takes six months. And, you know, if we're looking at this time right now with all these different challenges, if I'm able to look at it as, all right, what am I going to, what am I going to learn from this? Who am I going to help from this? Who am I going to be able to inspire? And how is this a part of my journey? That changes everything. That changes the thinking completely as to when I'm just focused on, all right, what, how do I, why am I going through this? Why did I have to be born during this time? Whatever it is. What about these dumb mistakes I made? So. Mm -hmm. And it it sounds like the shift is like focusing on others, right? How can I, use what I'm going through now to, to contribute to others. Man, that's always it. <laughs> it's always it. And the, the, the crazy thing about it is that it's never what you think is, will help you. So meaning like being of service to somebody else, being helping somebody, there's never a day when I wake up and I'm like, all right, I know exactly how I'm going to feel better today. I'm going to be of service to as many people as possible. Like that's not where my brain goes. Like that's what I wind up doing a lot of days, but my 
default does not start there. My default wakes up in the morning and is like, all right, what's wrong? What am I going to get out of this? So I have to do these things to kind of arrest that condition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what, I mean, what do you do specifically when you get up? Yeah. Um, so this, and this is what makes all the difference for me. I'm going to give you the version of my best self because, and also with the, with the preface of saying, well, I don't do this all the time. I am not perfect with it. And there are days um, when I'm like, all right, what's the point? Like, but when I'm at my best, I know exactly what I need to do now. And it doesn't have to be something terrible going on for me to decide not to do that. It could be everything is great. So I'm like, why do I need to do any of this stuff? Here's what I did today. I woke up, I answered that. I asked and answered that question. Do I live in a good or a bad world? And then I said, I live in a good world. And then I just said a quick prayer. And after that, I read. Um, so I, the, the more that I can read and uh, books, the better. So meaning don't turn on my phone. Don't look at Instagram. Don't look at email. Don't look at Slack. I sit there and I read. Yesterday, I read a full book before I did anything. Uh, it was a short book, but it was still. Um, and I luckily, I found an author that I like. And recently, it took me a little while to find another one. What did you read? Is it fiction, nonfiction? What is no, it? no, uh, always nonfiction and more inspirational. Today, I was reading, and the last two days, I've been reading books by this guy Stuart Wild. Uh, mm, oh yeah, I know Stuart Wild. He's great. He's yeah. great. He's great. And, Crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. And yesterday, mm-hmm. I read a book, Miracles. Um, by him. I read the whole thing. It was so helpful. And then yeah. today I read parts, a uh, few first few chapters of a book called, I believe it's called Infinite Self. Um, great. And, yes. like, and, I like it. I've, I, he wrote a book that really inspired me a while ago. I've read a bunch of his stuff, but but the trick to money is having some. Which is yeah, exactly. Awesome. And then he tells a story in there how of how like he, whenever he sees money in the street, he'll bow down and like and pick it up no matter if like it's raining and muddy and like in his fine suit and all that stuff like i to this day still do that like whenever i see cash in the street i'm like i'm gonna take it yeah i'm not i'm not above that yeah yes 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 yes. signal to the universe send more of this stuff like i appreciate it exactly so then and then i meditated for 15 minutes and either 15 or 20 minutes, but today 15 for whatever reason. And I, and then I simply, I wrote out one page how today was going to go. So what, this is like a really powerful thing to do and it works so well, but how, what's the best case? Like, how is everything going to go? How, how would I want that to be? How would I want to look back at today as and then I wrote a gratitude list. I texted it to my uh, one of my closest friends. He and he always texts me back his gratitude list. And then after that, I just I actually wrote a text to my girlfriend partner Jen just about things that uh, that I loved about her and did the same thing. Um, actually, I did my daughter first and then her. And then I went for a run and. Um, and I listened to Abraham Hicks. Now that's that that sets me up for a good day, guaranteed. No ifs, ands, or buts. Now it's again, it comes back to the choice. 
am mm-hmm. I going to choose to do that tomorrow? But right now I have to focus on today and then just keep coming back to that. And it you does know, sound it, like a long routine, but maybe like it depends on how long you read, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And it's not, I mean, you know, and I, well, with the exercise part, uh, maybe an hour and a half total, but um, yeah, but what else am I going to do? yeah i mean i i've been doing i've been doing for my mornings get up and then do a a pafa which is an hour 20 30 40 minutes right there just the the exercise right so yeah i haven't been doing i've been doing journaling in the morning i've been doing i've sometimes meditated but not not something that i've kept up kept up this is definitely inspiring to me and i really like the how today is going to go like just looking over the calendar and sort of visualizing, deciding. Um, yeah. How do I want it to go? Yeah. It's, and it's so amazing what happens when I just think that way. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter the time. I think it's easier to think like, Oh, well, times are tough right now. And so it's just going to go bad. And it's crazy. Like yesterday, exactly. Uh, It's the opposite. And like, so the other thing that I've had to be really revisit is what am I allowing in? Mm -hmm. So what am I allowing in from not just like the obvious sources like meteors, but also people in my life um, that are fearful or negative or, and just like, all right, I can't have that. Making a conscious decision around that. You know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and the the Jim Rohn quote, but also thinking about it is like, just like the sources, like, where are you, what are you allowing in? So I've had to make some decisions around that as well. And, and again, it all starts with choice. It all starts with, with me. What kind of things have you had to do there? Oh, just in terms of group that I had to leave or just limiting like to news like that's outside of um, like instructional, inspirational um, the to like 10 minutes, like meaning like about anything going on or just, you know, things like that. Just um, being m- more careful of what I'm putting into what I'm what am I feeding my mind and my soul? Mm-hmm. So that. Super useful. I want to talk about relationships, right? We're in, in business, there's, you know, so easy to talk about strategies and tactics and all that stuff, right? But the relationships with our significant other, with kids, with parents, with family, friends, teammates, clients, audience, right? Like relationships is really such a huge part of it. And it's not something that we exactly learn in school, right? How to have, have, um, I don't, I don't know if I want to use the term successful relationship, but I have a good relationship with people. What is that? What has that journey been like for you? How, like, did you always, always, you're a great relator. Was that always the case? Did you learn? How did you learn? Yeah, I, I was, I always had a lot of friends, things like that, but it took me until really about seven years ago to really, sorry. Two years into sobriety. Yep. Um, And I'd went through something really painful, but I realized like that one of the biggest things was I was just, I was very disconnected from people and I was painful. So it was just like a business, like a breakup thing and um, really uncomfortable uh, 
really crazy uh, ex-partner in a business and all this stuff. And um, But coming out of it, like I realized that I was like so... I was so disconnected and I was also at a point where I was really looking at what could I get from a situation rather than what could I bring to it. So, and I'd been living a lot like behind my phone and behind the computer for a while and outside of just like the recovery side. But when I came to business, so I started doing this thing. I realized I was very uncomfortable. Just, I was great at getting up and speaking in front of like, you know, a thousand people. But when it came to just a one-on-one conversation, it was very uncomfortable for me. And it wasn't, it was something that I was avoiding a lot. So I like to, I like to challenge myself. So I challenge myself to meet with one new person every single day and go meet with them. And whether for the most part, have it be in person wherever possible. But if not, you know, do a video call or phone call, but meet with one new person and start sharing openly and honestly about like wherever I was at. And because up until that point, like being an entrepreneur, like you always, everyone's always wanting to sound the best and, you know, not ever admit that they're afraid or any of this stuff. And, you know, and I fell into that. So that was one part. And then the, the, the last part. So the first part was just meet with one person every day, no matter what. Um, second part, be open, honest and vulnerable with them. Third part, figure out what I could do to help them. So I started basing my life around that question. What can I do to help you? What do you need help with right now? And that really changed everything for me. Everything just shifted once I started that. And it just like amazing things. Like I just was able to experience so much and amazing things started to also happen to me um, as a result without ever asking for anything for myself. That is very powerful. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that. It's like, I've been asking people that. Well, a lot of times people are like, uh, nothing right now kind of thing. Like, I mean, and I find it too. Then like, I'm like, they throw it back at me and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not really sure. Like, right. We're not good at asking even when, when offered. So here's the trick. It's not so much about asking the question as much as listening for the answer. Meaning if you're talking to somebody and something comes up where they're like, oh, well, I'm kind of struggling with this or you just you're talking to them and you're like, oh, my God, I know the perfect person to connect you with that type of thing, Uh, because, yes, it's hard for some people. So we do these dinner parties. Um, Now we do them virtually, but we used to do them all over the country and We would always pay for everything and do everything, bring together lots of amazing people. The only thing that everyone had to do was get up and say, what do they need help with? And they had to answer it or else they couldn't be there. And it's amazing like when you, you find like what people really look for. And I remember one time we did one in LA. It was about 25, 30 people. And we'd rent out a beautiful place. And all these people there would like, quote unquote, perfect lives. Like if you saw, they're all influencers, multi-million dollar um, businesses, all these different things. Great. They, they looked like they had the perfect life. And I remember the first guy stood up and he said, you know what? I just want real friends. I feel like I don't have any real, real friends. Like I just want more real. And then about 60% of the people in that room said the same thing. 
it was wild. And, you know, so it, it, it's just, it's amazing what happens when you allow people to truly connect and be vulnerable. I think, I mean, I think that's so, so true. Like I've been, I've been thinking about doing my own sort of, you know, entrepreneur or, or network mastermind, you know, coaching group, whatever exact format it takes. And when I, when I think about it, like the key thing for me, I think is like, we're all so lonely, like despite all this connective and connecting technology and like groups and mass, like even like going to, to some of these masterminds and meetings, right? Like, are we forging real connections between people or is it, you know, Oh, like, how's your business? How's your business? Like, let's do a, a JV deal or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most, most people are just like, they, we just we're thirsting for that. It's really interesting. Yeah. Connection's the key. <laughs> it's the key to everything. And it, it's interesting because we see it even more like the need for it now, you know, because people are feeling so isolated and everything. And it, it it's interesting because I, I do see more people reaching out, connecting, trying to do these different things. And so, yeah, it, it comes down to it. I think everything, it comes around these connections and these relationships. I mean, you're, you're really, really good with this. Like I, Jen and I have talked about this because you, you, you show up, you'll, you'll invest in people, um, in the right way. Like, and it's, it's really, it's beautiful to see. Um, so I want to, I want to just reflect that to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, that's a, that's a new thing for me, right? I always considered myself very introverted. Like I would, you know, hide behind the computer from, I was a kid, right? Like I learned to program early on in school and other people were just scary and dangerous and you couldn't control them. But yeah, thankfully I could control the computer. So I, I felt safe there. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was challenging. And the, and the first sort of big thing I, I did was it wasn't, it wasn't that long as about a year ago. It was in April last year, went to Necker Island for a week with like 30 other, other entrepreneurs. And doing that was, it was like being back in, in elementary school, right? Feeling so wrong and like outsider, like all these old, like kid yeah. feelings came back up and it was, very, very healing for me to, to, to go through. It's like, especially in a group like that, because like so many super successful people, which was always my sort of big insecurity thing yep. and stuck in an Island together for a week. Right. right. <laughs> like a <TV> show. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know that was with Maverick, right? It was. Yeah. Yeah. And then like realizing that like it, it dawned on me later, the reason I hate it meeting other people, I would never do that. But it was because I, I felt so wrong. Right. Yep. I remember last year, last December, I remember I was, we were hosting a media get together at our apartment and it was about 25, 30 top people in health media. So people from like Good Morning America, like every major, and then like a lot of influencers and all this. Is that my apartment? I was one one of the hosts, obviously, and I remember like standing back and be feeling so unbelievably like out of place, and at my own place where mm. I was the glue that brought a lot of these people together, 
And I just, I, I had to just laugh and I love sharing that because like I host all these different events and networking. And I, I think that there's like a lot of people think that just comes easy and that I don't have that feeling of insecurity or feeling out of place. And it's so not the truth. Like even at my events or like dinners, like I'll feel that like that, 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 that's natural. The interesting thing, what I, again, that I've really realized in life is that that first thought that's okay to come. Meaning like that thought of negativity or feeling out of place or whatever, that's okay. Like that's like I, that my mind is kind of programmed for that. It's the second thought. And then the action is where I have the choice and I have the control. So do I run with that? Do I let my mind, my ego, whatever say, Oh yeah, you don't belong here, Chris, like you're whatever this, or do I stop it and just be like, all right, and laugh? Like sometimes I just have to laugh at, you know, that thought. And then what do I do with that? And what's the action I take? Do I allow that to just cripple me and, you know, go right. into another room or do I do something about it? All right. Or yeah, or, yeah, right. You can choose to share it, right? And now it's, a, it's all of a sudden it's a, it's a connecting moment because you're guaranteed to not be the only person in the room that feels like they, they might not belong there, right? Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah. I had the other day, so um, my wife had me write this, this, she was, she wanted me to consciously decide what was going to happen after when I'm dead, when I'm dead, after, after I die. Right. Like, what do I want to have happen to my body? How do I want like, do I want to have some kind of celebration? What does it look like? And what do funeral look like? All of that. And I sat, I was like, really annoyed. I was like, I'm busy with stuff like work and you know, it's important. Right. Like, but it was very important to her. So I sat down and did it. And like this, as soon as I opened up that document on my computer to start writing down, I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't feel that. Like, I felt like, why would anyone care that I'm gone? Why would anyone care? Like that was what was inside of me. Right. And I was like, wow, that is not, that's not very nice of me to myself to, to think that, but that was in there. And I hadn't, I wouldn't have discovered if she hadn't asked me to write that. Right. That's yeah. Powerful. Yeah. And I shared that with, with, uh, with my team as well. Cause like one of the things I, my focus this year is, is building my personal brand. And I was like, I think there's a connection there, right? Like if I don't feel like anyone would care that I'm gone, like why would anyone care to listen to me today? And when that's driving me, like that's never going to work, right? It's never going to work. Right. Wow. That's such a great insight. And it's something that we see a lot with people that they struggle and then they're like, well, why would anybody, why does anyone care? Like, why is anyone going to care about my thoughts on this? Like, especially with like getting what I do with helping people become more visible and get in the media and things like that. And, and it's interesting also, like when there's a pass or a rejection um, for whatever reason, and most of the time it has nothing to do with the person and like taking that. So we, we, we've had people where they take that so personally and like, I'm a piece of shit, like that, that type of thinking, but it doesn't, it almost never comes out as that, like it, meaning like they'll lash out in a, in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. But it's like always, I think it's all like you guys maybe for doing it, like you're doing a terrible job yeah. or something. Right. Or, exactly. Yeah. And then we're, we're very good. So like with looking at the mind, that's why for us, we always look at the mindset piece and like that, that we help our clients with that, like, because there's so much in there, like it comes back to, it almost always comes back to that, like, 
inner child um, of, you know, I don't exist or I don't matter. Or, you know, I know for me, it's always coming back to that stuff. And um, yeah, wow. That's such a great realization. And thank you for sharing that. Well, I actually had, so, so this one right here is a little notepad where I was at, at summit in LA and I was like, um, there's a poet that challenges all to write a poet poem and I ended up getting up on stage and performing it in front of people. And it was um, like, it was, what, what came up for me was similar, but like, like you're just a kid. Nobody cares what you have to say. Like, cause you're just a child. And like, somehow I heard that and that got stuck. And now I'm 46 and I still feel like a kid that, you know, does like, I'm like, when am I grown up enough to, to like matter here? Right. It's like, yeah, I mean, this stuff get, gets to us. Um, yeah, it really, it really does. Um, it, it's, it's amazing how it, it sticks. So, and I think, but here's the, here's the difference, at least for me is like, if I'm willing to look at that, if I'm willing to change, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Meaning like that there's so many, like I'll beat myself up about not doing enough. And it's, it's easy for me to do that and not take into account that it would be really easy to not do anything, to never look at that stuff, to just be, to, 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 to just ignore it all. Um, and never talk about it. Never, never, never talk about it. Um, because that's how I was kind of brought up, but yeah, it's, it's amazing where, how this stuff gets stored and how it lives in us. And, but I think the key again is like being able to talk about it and then hearing somebody else say, Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> like, and it, like that there's like, those are two of the, the, the most powerful words to hear. Um, because it, it, you, you realize you're not alone. Right. Yeah. And you, and, and like, I find too, like once you, once you get that conscious light of awareness to it, right. That's kind of all it needs. Like once there's light, it's, it's like, you know, de-dusting and you don't really need to, do too much about it from that perspective because it's already shifted. It's already changed once it becomes conscious. Exactly. Exactly. So what is, what are some of the things that you're focusing on right now? That's like, it's gotta be really hard for you with like, as you know, such a relationship driven person to be stuck in, in the same space. Yeah, it is. And it isn't, um, and again, like, I think that that's the, what's the choice going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting that that's like the, the theme here, um, at least for me. And because I've just been thinking about it so much and it's uh, because there's luckily, if I choose to look at the gratitude side, like, all right, yeah, I'm stuck in a place and in New York city where it's like, again, ground zero for this thing. But at the same time, it, like we have so many amazing tools. I remember because I was here during 9-11 and uh, it, during 9-11, I felt more disconnected, even though we were able to be outside. I'm just realizing, I'm just remembering this now. It's so interesting um, because I've been thinking so much about the difference between 9-11 and now um, because I was in New York for both. And here's a really crazy thing. During 9-11, I had phone, my mobile phone was Sprint and Sprint's tower, uh, their, their main antenna was on top of one of the World Trade Centers. So I did not have a 
freaking phone for like at the time you need a phone probably more than anything for like a week or 10 days or however long it was. And I didn't have a house phone, of course. And so it's so interesting. Like now all these different ways to be able to communicate with ways to stay connected, you know, with Zoom and with Skype and FaceTime and all this and text and uh, email. And we have so much that as long as I want to, and I make that choice, I can stay connected. I can, you know, we're having this beautiful conversation today and thanks to your amazing video, not so much mine, but, um, you know, I feel like right there and, you know, that's kind of beautiful. And it also, you know, I, had, I can wave at you from, yes, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's really amazing and that we have all of all of these things. And, you know, for me also, I had gotten to a point at the end of December, um, uh, where I'd made all these decisions about what I wanted for this year. And, for me this year, a lot of it was I decided to travel 75% less. I turned down a lot of speaking engagements. And like the one where we were at together was one of the only things I was doing this spring. Um, and we had decided to only do one event instead of three that we did last year. So we had made all these decisions. We had an office in Times Square. I was, we had gotten rid of that right at the end of February. I decided in December, but our last day was February 28th because I felt like a hypocrite having, I think I told you this, having an office when I didn't even go to it and only part of our team was there. I was like, what's the point? So in a way, like in some ways I was preparing for it. Um, in others, I was wholly unprepared, of course, like anyone. But, you know, so I think it, it it's almost like a, it, it's almost like a beautiful thing in terms of just being able to stop and, you know, reset a bit. And, you know, that doesn't like minimize, like I've had a lot of people close to me that have gotten sick and, you know, I know people that have died and all these things. But, um, you know, again, it's the choice. Like, how am I going to look at it? Because if I get caught up in just thinking that it's over, it's like horrible, then I cannot show up the right way for my family. I can't show the right up way for my daughter, for my team, my clients, my community. Um, and I know that because I had those days where I was not showing up because I was consumed with fear. And that's uh, what, what good does that do me? What good does that do anyone around me? Yeah, no, it's true. All right, man. So, uh, wrapping up, I have two more questions for you. Number one is, uh, where can people find you and stay connected with you? Yeah. Chris Winfield, C-H-R-I-S-W-I-N-F-I-E-L-D on Instagram, pretty much any social media and chriswinfield.com. All right, cool. We'll have links too. Um, thank you. And then what is, what is one thing that you really want to leave people with? So it's all about connection. Uh, and But it's not just connecting people to each other. It's about also connecting them to their full potential. That's really, that. that's whenever, if, whenever I'm able to help do that for somebody. And again, it can just be a little glimpse of that and moving towards it. But that's, that's it. Mm. Sweet, man. I love that. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was amazing conversation. Always with you. Always had the best conversation. So thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast episode. After 20 years as a serial entrepreneur, it's my passion to bring you ideas and insights from some of the best entrepreneurs, leaders, and thinkers in the world straight to your phone. We're going to be launching many, many more podcast episodes in the future, so please subscribe and leave a five-star review if you found any value at all from today's conversation. Your reviews and feedback mean the world to me. 